This episode of the Out of Bounds Podcast is brought to you by Fisher Skis. is the Advance Podcast. My name is Adam Jabber, and we have a great set of episodes for you today. Um, two of my favorite ever. I gotta stop saying that, because I've probably said that so many times, uh, nobody believes me anymore. Um, Delilah Cup, uh, who's been on the show before, so if you're looking for, like, her background, her original story, where she came from, like, the whole nine, um, there's a previous episode out, out there with her that's really good. Uh, the current episode is all about where she's been since then, um, cause she's kind of blown up since that's, since our last conversation. Uh, we've talked about, we talked about all kinds of things. I, I can't tell you how impressed I was with how thoughtful she was about basically everything that we, that we talked about. I, uh, yeah, I was kind of blown away, especially at the end, like after we do the little question bit, she's incredibly thoughtful about race, uh, access to the mountains, about the willingness to learn more and just be supportive of that. Um, and I, I, I was super, super impressed and honestly kind of surprised. I wasn't expecting it to go that direction and it did, and I couldn't be more happy about it. Um, and then we have a conversation with Nikolai Shermer that is so ridiculous. You have to, you have to listen to, I mean, ridiculous in, in the best way possible. He, goes through his Achilles injury, the lack of surgery, uh, his new project Wavy, the whole the whole nine. Uh, it, it's amazing. I uh, yeah, I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this one. It's been uh, I've been thinking about it basically since the second I recorded it. It was it was great. So shout out to Nikolai, shout out to Delilah. This is the best one too that I think we've ever had. Um and I'm stoked for you guys to listen to it. So uh, before we jump into the episode, we have a couple sponsors for today, including our friends at OnX Backcountry. Uh, OnX makes basically a mapping software for you to download on your phone. Uh, you can, basically anybody in North America has access to everything. You can get all the beta that you need, um, all the mapping and slope angle and there, there's this is such a unique tool um, in the backcountry space right now that I think it's almost a must-have for most for for just about anybody that wants to be in the backcountry that wants to go touring that wants to like go out there and check out new lines um, and go ski some stuff that maybe you don't have a ton of information on uh, on X is there for you for that uh, and you can save twenty percent on your purchase of on X backcountry um, twenty nine dollars for a whole year. Um, I'm on X Backcountry Premium. Um, you get all the stuff, you get all the info, uh, and you can be the source that you need. Like, there's no more, like, all the information you need to get out there uh, is right there with Onyx Backcountry. Uh, and there's one more day for listening to this on Tuesday, um, one or two more days left to also do some good with your purchase. Uh, during the month of November, they will donate $10 to an Avalanche Center of your choosing when you check out uh, and use promo code out of bounds. Uh, so go ahead and do that. And uh, yeah, let them know we sent you. Um, and that's it. I think we'll do, uh, we'll probably do one more in the pre-roll or in the mid-roll or whatever they call it. 
and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Uh, we got. I can't tell you how crazy the episodes are lately. Like, there's there's some ones coming up that are going to blow your mind. Um, this one included. These both of these are are insane. So, uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Be sure to follow Delilah on social and Nikolai. Uh, follow along with everything they do. These are two of the most interesting people um, that I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to talk to. So. Uh, enjoy them. Leave us a review on iTunes if you get the opportunity. Uh, listen to Big Stick Energy on Monday, The Pursuit on Wednesdays, and Coffee and Van Chats on Thursdays. And obviously, you can hang out with me on Tuesday. Uh, cool. Talk to you after the show. Bye. All right, D-Cups, tell people who you are. Tell them a little bit about yourself, and we'll uh, we'll do this thing all over again. Hi, I'm Delilah again. Actually, come to think <laughs> of it, I just am so unsure why I was even on the podcast a year ago. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but um, you asked. That's how it happened. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. You what literally, I, you sent I don't me know a why video. I think I had the right. <laughs> you sent me a video of you throwing a basketball at a hoop backwards, oh, and you were yeah. like, "Can I be on the podcast if I make this basket?" And you were like. And then I don't know, maybe you made it, maybe you didn't. I don't even remember, but I was just like, all right, cool. Yeah, let's do it. That so. sounds about right. I guess in my mind, I like to think I never really um, aspired to the fame, you know, it all just kind of happened. But now you're making it sound like maybe at one point I wanted it a little bit like, no, maybe. I don't know. Well, <laughs> no. All right. Well, I think it was you were on the come up. Like, I think you were at the point where people were starting to know who you were. And stuff started clicking and it started happening. Um, so I think the timing was just good. I don't want to take credit for this newfound fame. I'm not saying that. This is just another guy taking credit for a lady doing big things in the ski industry. That's what's happening right now. Wonderful. When I write my documentary or whatever, I'll make sure to <laughs> attribute the come up to the first podcast. Yeah, amazing. And so um, only podcast. I don't know why. I've always wanted someone to ask me to do a podcast, but it never happened. Nobody else has asked you? <laughs> no. You're like, kidding. come on, you guys. I love to talk about myself. Don't you want me to do it on your show? People no. have way worse guests. You were you were great last time. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. Like, people have so many random guests on. And I'm like, this is not like even an interesting or compelling conversation in any way. Um, I don't know how it works. It's all rigged. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's right. Everybody has the same cycle of guests. You know, like I have found out lately um, that people do use their agents and their agents contact podcasts and they're like, oh, you should have this person on like that. That happens. Do you have an agent? Am I supposed to have an agent? I don't know. I feel well. No, <laughs> I don't know. No, of course I don't have an agent. People <laughs> have agents. People have a I don't know. You just met fucking Danny McCaskill um you're like going all oh, over the maybe place I you have new Danny sponsors yeah well <laughs> i don't know if that's no. how agents work <laughs> danny can hardly be his own agent well he can't be his own agent he i asked him if he's still running his own instagram and he said he's going to give it over to a couple friends because it takes away from his valuable time going through two to three e-bike batteries a day like what damn Two to yeah. three e-bike batteries a day. That guy loves to ride his bike. <laughs> Holy shit. But honestly, that conversation really inspired me to like uh ride more. 
Okay. <laughs> this when did it happen? 48 hours ago? Uh, yeah, maybe 72 by now. But I've ridden both days since I've come home. So no jet lag excuse there. I guess maybe we should tell the people I just yeah, got back right. from. Let's, yes, that's probably. Um, right. Oh, dude, sorry. I to I skipped like the intro and everything, which is good. I did that on purpose <laughs> because people ask me like, oh, what do you do? And I'm like, I, uh, I'm pa I painted a house and I, um, uh, I'm figuring it out. So there's my intro. You um, painted a house and you're figuring it out. Yeah. Which is cool because I've realized I think I've um, I've been a little bit like disappointed in myself for not getting a job <laughs> in the last year. I think so when we talked one year ago, I had just left my uh, you know career job in tropical forest conservation that I was all stoked about, and my original plan was to take maybe a couple month break and then jump right back into the tropical forest conservation climate policy world but that hasn't happened yet it's been almost one full year and um the the thing i've accomplished most in the last year is painting this house honestly that was a big undertaking 100 percent can't be true but um I'll, I'll take your word for it there was a lot of house painting content for a while yeah that was my best work, I think. Um, so tell people about what the project was that blew up and is a kind of like, I don't know, it's fucking got like a bajillion views on the internet now. And I don't know, everybody that I know has seen it, I feel like, and that's the best advertising for Ripton that I've ever seen. So, <laughs> um, so tell people about the project a little bit. Yeah, okay. So I made this video. It's called Girls Gotta Eat Dirt. Maybe you've heard of it. Never <laughs> expected it to go where it did, but it made me famous. Thanks, Elliot. Uh, <laughs> but it all started with, I, I think I talked about it a little bit last time, but I um, lived with Aubrey and Claire for four or five years in college, and we kind of cycled through bike racing, bike riding, riding for fun, sort of hating riding, loving riding all together. And we um, we just have a really good time riding our bikes together and doing a lot of other stuff together too. But since no one wanted to make a video of us like partying at the Downer in Boulder, someone did want to make a video of us riding bikes together. And that was Elliot of Ripton. Um, so we filmed riding and hanging out and whatever in Silverton for a few days and just got like an insane amount of footage and then I spent many months sorting through it and turning it into a little something that ended up being a lot better received than we could have ever expected. Um, did, did you edit it? Did you pick that stuff? I did all the initial drafts. We We didn't have any budget for that video. Like that was just filmed with our friends helping us out. Thanks, sorry to exploit you guys. Um, <laughs> and so we didn't have an editor. So it just sat there for months. And then finally I was like, fuck, I wanna do something with this, I think. So I learned how to use Premiere <laughs> and it took me so long. 
to get through anything because my computer is definitely not <laughs> not up to editing the spec. But um, yeah, I did. I did a lot of the first picks, and then my boyfriend's dad is actually a documentary filmmaker. I spent last winter out in Seattle near his family, so that's Pete Vote. He helped me kind of take it to the next level and pull the storyline out. Um, and he was, yeah, very pivotal in making that happen. And then we put it through sound and color with one final guy. And that was that. Yeah. Now you're going places, you're going to Banff Mountain Film Festival, England, like all over the fucking place. It's, uh, it's amazing. It's cool to see. Like, it's really like in the last year, I feel like there's been a real blow up for you for for d cups oh it's it's a glow up it's a glow up how they yeah, call it yeah i've gotten a lot of haircuts in the last year and i think that's really <laughs> helped me out i'll like look at my you know snapchat does your one year memory thing or one or two years like, my short hair is taking me places i think i think that's what it's all about yeah that's got to be it that yeah. and Instagram boy, boyfriend. I feel like Sage must hate me because I follow and unfollow Sage all the time so that he'll <laughs> want to be my friend. Like, I just want to be Sage's friend and he doesn't want to be my friend and I'm sad about it, but it's it's fine. Are you judging that based on whether or not he follows you back on Instagram? Yes, and not even through my personal account. I'm like, follow my business. I want to be your friend, Sage. He seems so nice. I'm just like, all right. And you talk about him as Instagram boyfriend all the time and I'm like, that makes me seem... Like that makes it seem like he's almost more friendly, right? Like, he's yeah, doing the stuff. That's good to know. I'll let him know that that's on your radar. I let him know that I'm sad about it. it. He has to know. He has to know that I'm following him and unfollowing him all the time because I do it, <laughs> and I know when people do it to me. And I don't know. It's uh, he's got to see it. So shout out to Sage. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Yeah, Sage has. I. I mean, I'm can attribute at least like 90% of whatever sort of success I've had in the last year to Sage and Sage getting new cameras and new lenses. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, I mean, it's been cool to see like his progress as a photographer as well. I mean, yeah, no, a year ago, like he shot on film forever, but he bought his first full frame or whatever. I don't know anything about cameras. He bought an A6 last year and now has glowed up to an A9 and like his photos are getting really good. So that's, amazing. that's always whenever people like DM me advice on how to make it as an athlete, whatever. I mean, first of all, <laughs> I have not made it. I do not consider myself to have made it. But I tell them step one, get an Instagram boyfriend. I don't know how you do it with that one. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's the move. I think it's a good I think it's a good thing. An Instagram significant other, you know, the guys need one too. Like you just need somebody on the other side of the camera. Right. And that's, uh, it's, it's important. No, but honestly, like it, I think you have a story and I think you have a personality that people are like, Oh, she's fun. We want to be her friend. Like that's, that's what's kind of come out the most in the last year is like it, people, it seems like people just gravitate towards you. Thanks. <laughs> That's like, I mean, you can take it as a compliment. You can take it as not a compliment. That's what it seems like from the outside. Looking well, that's how it felt. I just came back from Kendall, England for a film festival stop for this movie. Girls Got Eat Dirt. And people were so nice there. It was insane. But it was definitely like 
like a little bit of celebrity status for us. Like as soon as we stepped out of our hotel room, people were like taking pictures with us. But then they were like, let's go to the pubs and like, let's go party and let's go ride tomorrow. Like I, it was sick because people were a little bit like, oh my God, I'm totally fangirling you right now. And then they're just like, let's, let's go be best friends immediately. And it worked out. It was sweet. My accent Is... was really good while I was there. Did you use an accent the whole time you were there? I cannot. I'm so bad at that. Like when I was in New Zealand, I would always speak in an Australian accent. Oh my and god! <laughs> my, I mean, my British accent is a bit Australian. But even like I flew through Frankfurt on the way back, and just I was there for one hour, and I had already picked up a German accent ordering coffee in the airport. It happened oh. so fast for me. But yeah, I think that's I a good quality to have because then I can take on multiple identities. Isn't that like cultural appropriation? Isn't that a bad thing? Um, I don't know. I, so Someone give me too. that I feedback. Did it with Magnus. <laughs> I did it with Magnus like a couple days ago and I was like, oh, fuck, I heard it like for a minute and I stopped doing it like a minute in and it's like, it, it's all good. Like everybody does it. It's just, my mom does it all the time because my mom's a white lady and my dad is an Arab. So like every time she talks to another Arab person, she like talks in an Arab accent. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, this is not mom you're not like speaking better english like they're not understanding you better because it's shitty english like they're not getting it anymore like that's just not a thing that's happening and it's really funny and she's just like no like i just want them to know that like i'm not i don't know like i'm just trying to like help them understand it's, it's genuine but it's just i don't know yeah that's a good point i've never thought about it like that <laughs> i don't think anybody cares german australian that, i feel like that's all fair game um southern my yeah. favorite accent to take also on. totally fair game <laughs> um is there someone that you've met or worked with in the last year that you were like holy shit like what like this is this is like this is cool this is a bit surreal and i imagine like in a way it's other than danny right because that's a couple days ago <laughs> um not really i feel like i first of all don't really get um for lack of a better word like starstruck or fangirling okay. with people who i meet who are like famous or i look up to or whatever i i like to think i can keep my cool pretty well um but i haven't really gotten to work with a lot of people i did a jiro video with bryn bingham who i should be starstruck by he's so sick it was that was really fun um but aside from that, like, I haven't really done much aside from Girls Gotta Eat Dirt, honestly, which is. Okay. So let me ask you this then. Uh, you have moved from J-Skis 2K2, um, which I feel like there should be, like, an official announcement for this. And if there was, I missed it. But um, are you looking forward to working with anyone there? Or, like, what's the story? How did that come about? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. I um so I spent last winter out in Washington on accident because I was still living in Colorado. But Sage and I came home for Christmas, and it never stopped snowing all winter, so we just couldn't leave, <laughs> and it was sick. Um, but I ended up meeting a lot of people who either worked for K two or photographers for K two or snowboarders for K two. Um, or skied for K2 and there was just like this whole community of people who were really friendly and welcoming and super fun to ski and ride with um, 
and the cogs kind of started turning there, especially with like, I skied with Colton Jacobs a lot, who's, uh, mm. he snowboards on K2 stuff and shoots a lot of photos for them. And I would shoot with him a bit, but it's, it's tough to like work with photographers who are your friends when you know you can't, like I couldn't really sell his photos, you know? Um, right. So a lot of my desire to join K2 is just to be able to work with the photographers that I've met here locally. Um, and I'm like, you know, looking forward to skiing with anyways, and it'll just make our interests align a bit more. Um, but I also like, I think they're a really sick company and they're local to Seattle where I am now. So um, it's kind of, it felt like a big next step and kind of a little bit closer to making it in a way. Um, and I yeah. think they're, they're a bit more like backcountry free ride focused, which is where my interests lie while, while uh, Jay Skis is, they were super fun to work with. Like I have nothing but great things to say about Jay Skis, but uh, <laughs> it's a little more of a park scene than I would necessarily prefer for my own skiing. For sure. It was, I got to go to Mount Hood this summer with Jay Skis, um, which was, it was a wild time. It was really fun, but it was definitely like, like their team is so sick in the park and I'm just out there like, right threes <laughs> off every jump. That's all I can do. I almost made it out of the pipe. <laughs> Let me jump over this box since I can't even slide it sideways. And I just kind of realized like, ah, this is not where I'm going to shine. Yeah. But, but all, it was all good on both sides. Um, I really enjoyed the start I got with them. And I mean, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't be anywhere close to making it if Jay Skis didn't take a little chance on me last year when they <laughs> responded to my Instagram DMs. <laughs> <laughs> you did want it, I'm telling me. you. Um, you did want it. You did want this. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that they were my first sponsor. They were the first like company to ever take yeah. notice of me. So I really appreciate that. And um it's it's all good feelings on both sides where I am today. So yeah. but I'm stoked for what's to come with K2. I don't totally know yet because it's you know, November and I've gotten a couple pairs of skis by now, which is sick, but a lot of stuff is sitting on a ship in Puget Sound waiting for a shipping container. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the story of the whole ski industry right now. I think. Yeah, that is what it is. No, I think it's cool. I think, and and that's one of the things to kind of take note of. And like, we keep bringing up like making it and like being. And I'm joking about being famous, kind of, but it's like you have legitimate sponsors now versus a year ago. It's like it was J Skis, and that was really cool. And I agree, they're great. Uh, it's a great brand. They do some really neat things, but. Now you're talking K2, Nerona, Douchebags, fuck Giro, whatever the DB. fuck it's, it's DB crazy. now. DB, They've oh, rebranded. DB, my bad. It's also, <laughs> I'm very happy they they rebranded, but I wish they would just change the name entirely. Um, yeah. It's a, I won't, it's your sponsor. I won't say anything about how I feel about the brand <laughs> um, but I will say the product is as good as I've ever seen. Oh, um, it's and that's, so it's sick. amazing. Yeah, I honestly, like, I've been living out of duffel bags since <laughs> November last year. I, 
just um, being able to unpack at this house when we fully moved in like four weeks ago has been surreal for me. I, it's been duffel bag to duffel bag for <laughs> over a full year. It's crazy. So I don't know where I would be without DB bags keeping me organized and stylish. <laughs> <laughs> what a plug. Um, so what what do you have planned for this year? Like, what do you have coming up? Like, talk to me about, like, what the plan is. Because, like, now you've made it and you're famous. So what's the what's the next step? Well, the next step is to actually get famous. But... Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't know. People always ask me that. And I'm like, am I supposed to have plans? Like, how are people planning this stuff? Probably I... I'm trying to put together my own little video series working with uh, the video guys and photo guys that I ski with a lot up here in the Northwest. Um, and that proposal has been circulating for a couple weeks, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but aside from that, I, I don't have any plans, <laughs> like, at all. So... I guess just I just, that's an, yeah. that's kind of great though like that and I think that that's part of the reason that it works is like that's that seems like your person obviously I only know you through like a few conversations like I feel like that kind of is the way that your personality comes across though is like you're, you're just winging it and you're having a good time and it is what it is that's pretty much it <laughs> <laughs> all right good well I'm glad it's on <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think that this winter will be, like, I think it'll be different than last winter for me, but, like, not dramatically different. I think I'll, since I, you know, like, fully committed to being able to ski any day of the week, um, I'll have the opportunity to, like, shoot more photo and video with legit cameras, which will be sweet, but... Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to be opportunistic out here in the Northwest and hoping for good snow all around. Um, what's the scene like right now? Like, what's the weather situation like? It's kind of <laughs> nuts. I guess it snowed a bit a couple weeks ago, and then we had this crazy flooding event that I wasn't super privy to because I ha it was like right when I was leaving for the UK. Um, so I skipped down to Seattle the day that the flooding really hit, but I think that washed away a lot of the snow that was up high, as far as I know, and there hasn't been another big snow event, so there's a lot of flood cleanup going on here in Bellingham, and the, uh, like, the trails around drainages are pretty gnarly, um, but yeah, not a there's not snow in the forecast. <laughs> yeah, it seems pretty fucking grim everywhere right now. Like, it's, yeah, uh, I don't know. This isn't a weather podcast, but it's not exactly looking like it's exciting in the near future. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do. Why don't we do some questions? Um, okay. from people on the internet. You're like the only one that I do these questions with anymore because, like. I think it's one, I think it's good because people actually have real questions for you with other people. They just have, and there is dumb shit here too, but they might, they mainly have dumb shit. It's just like, Hey, it was, who's your favorite basketball player? And it's uh, like, yeah, you're just asking this to a person who may or may not care about basketball at all. You know, like, it's like, it's very, very bizarre. 
Um, Lauren Fitzmorris, in case anyone was wondering. Lauren Fitzmorris is your favorite yeah. basketball player? She's like from my hometown in Schwisp, and I don't I don't actually know anything about basketball. She's like a <laughs> collegiate basketball player, and now she's dating some super, super famous basketball player, and she just like blew up on the internet and makes all these videos about girls playing basketball. And it's sick. She has sick style. <laughs> before before she blew up i was like yeah i'm the the number one influencer out of twist washington and now she's just <laughs> blown out of the water <laughs> socks that's the goal is just be the number one influencer coming out of twist yeah um all right first question um who is actually it's actually from another pod guest ryan zetzer um says what's your biggest ski goal this season also hi you rip thanks <laughs> hi you too Com- compliments are not apparently going well um so far I, don't, episode. I don't yeah i need to work on taking those um it's, it's fine well it's like i said i mean i've thought i've actually thought about this a bit and there's a lot of like skiers and videos that revolve around having objectives and skiing and I just don't see myself ever being a person to like set an objective or a goal. Like I I'd like to try a backflip. I've never tried, which is silly, but I mean, honestly, last year was like my first year skiing much in a very long time. So I wish I tried it last year. Cards never aligned. I guess if there was any one goal I have this year, it's like try a backflip, try a cork three more tricks but um just kind of going with the flow i feel like this is uh this is a match made in heaven here then because i mean ryan ryan's whole bit is like doing super large backflips off of like everything it seems like yeah yeah i know it's sick i guess my thing is like i never had the foundation for that coming from ski racing rather than like mobile skiing or any tricks and like i've never I've never really been on a trampoline. I want to get on a trampoline. <laughs> what? Yeah, so I've never really actually tried to backflip in general. I I wanted to try tramping this fall, but I had a strange back injury for the last few months that has prevented me from doing much of anything. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess I could call that a goal. I don't know. I would like cool. to remain goalless because then I can't fail at anything. Um, I think that's a good answer. Um, your bio says you still can't. This is from John Kroom. Um, your bio says you still can't kickflip. Can you now? I never will be able to kickflip. Amen. Is that is that a thing you actually want to do? For a while, yeah, I really I tried. It's really hard. <laughs> I, I can't kickflip either. I just don't put it in my bio. Um, I, I think skateboarding would be like the sickest thing to be really good at. We'll see um, how it goes. I agree. Like skate, I like watching skating more than I like watching skiing. To be honest, like it is, it's way more fun to watch. It's like it looks so hard. It's uh, yeah. I, I watch more skate videos than I watch ski videos for sure. Um, nothing to do with kickflips, but. <laughs> um let's see here there's literally one two three four will you marry me's yeah. um which is always something 
Um, last time you shit yourself? What is wrong with these people? Um. All right, Ryan Tablaster wants to know, uh, what is your favorite Craigslist purchase? Oh, man. That's got it. That's hard for me to think about because there's been so much stuff lately with furnishing this house. Um, this is boring, but I got a really good anthropology dresser Craigslist what? in Seattle a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, I'm going. I've been going hard on the Craigslist these days. We have an entire house to furnish. It's a lot of work. I guess that's valid. I guess that's a good. Uh, I guess it's a better question than I thought it was. I I read the question thinking it was a shitty question, but it is what it is. I have gotten some requests for like house tours of the house, which will come eventually. But I want it to. I want it to be perfect, you know, because it's a direct reflection of my personality and how much i've gotten it together um so it's coming in due time i need a couple more anthropology furniture pieces of craigslist before i'm ready for the tour um dave nyan wants to know favorite piece from nerona and full disclosure he is a nerona sales rep <laughs> <laughs> clever so, so he's working this in as an ad <laughs> perfect here we go um, I'm currently wearing a Nerona like fuzzy jacket zip up thing that I don't know what it's called, but honestly, I don't, this is just gonna sound salesy no matter how I say it. But every single piece I've gotten from them is fucking sick, like, they're just their shit so is nice. nice. It is very nice, it is yeah. very bougie, yeah, it is very bougie, but it's, it's, tech it's bougie sick. though. And some of it is like cool street style. I think like the most, um, the least bougie priced item that I could recommend is the fisherman beanie is the perfect beanie. I have it in every color and I wear it literally every day. How did that come about? How did the Nerona, like, did they contact you? Do you contact them? Do you have like a <laughs> you know, you send it's people? It's so funny. No, I have never, this is, I don't, for some reason, no, I don't know. For better or worse, I've never like, <laughs> reached out to a sponsor per se to start i just kind of let things happen um i don't i don't like to feel needy i guess and i've never really felt like i am actually valid enough to ask for things but um nerona reached out to me on linkedin after girls got eat dirt came out like the You're sales kidding. rep or the marketing guy that lives in boulder adam chamberlain and yeah, yeah, yeah. And He's I saw so nice. Wonderful. But I saw that notification while I was on Pearl Street, like literally walking by the Nerona store. And I was like, no way. That's hilarious. <laughs> but I just saw it and ignored it because I was like, nah, dog. Like, not my style. I This just doesn't align. It would never work. And then they kept trying to reach out in a few different manners. And I just ignored everything. <laughs> You are the worst example of how to get sponsored, by the way. Like, this is not a clinic in how to get sponsored. Oh, yeah. But after I did, I did an interview with, uh, I think, Greg Fitzsimmons on the interwebs a while back. And then he, Nerona reached out to him to get my phone number and he gave it to them. So then they texted me. 
and we finally got on the phone and I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, you guys are persistent enough. It makes me feel wanted. It's nice. But the more I got to know them as a company, because I had, I just, I don't know. I never really paid attention to anything in ski or bike wear or anything at all. Um, so I, they weren't really on my radar before. But now, like, they're fucking sick. And I think the stuff they're trying to do as a company is cool and their products are cool. And I'm really looking forward to digging in a little bit more with them on, like, they do a lot of marketing around sustainability. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's a real trendy thing for companies to say that they're carbon neutral or sustainably produced or whatever, but to be able to actually get to dig in and find out what that means will be cool. I haven't started that yet, but it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I think they do a really good job. I think they do a good job at, talking about the way that they're kind of giving back to like they it, they do it in a way that doesn't sound douchey and i think that's a really it's a really important thing yeah especially for a brand like that sells 900 shells and shit you know like it's like you gotta be you, you gotta put yourself out there in a way that makes you seem like you're actually doing really good things for the environment and the world and i think they are like i think they're actually a really rad company they have a great athlete team and uh, yeah, I was like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is this is really cool. This is a good fit. Yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, do you want a painting business in the summer? Um, Maybe. Mary Fuck Hill, Fiddler, Skeggs, Hockey Dad? I don't know. Ooh, those are good choices. Um, uh, Mary Fuck Hill, I don't know what a Fiddler is. I don't know what a... What? Come on, Fiddler, come on. No, I have no idea. California. I, I I've actually been to California one time in my life. I have no idea what a fiddler is. So what's a fiddler? Fiddler is a sick band out of California. I think they're out of Walnut Creek. If Tanner Stevens ever listens to this, they'll tell me I'm wrong and that I'm an idiot. But I'm pretty sure I remember <laughs> Fiddler is from the same place that Tanner Stevens is from. Um I think I would marry hockey dad because i met them in an alley after their show in denver one time and the the lead singer was i like came up on him while he was taking a piss in the alley <laughs> on accident <laughs> I was like, oh my god i'm so sorry he's like no 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 it's okay and then we had a great conversation like hung out in their vip trailer for a bit it was all good so i love them and i would marry them um <laughs> The other two, I just can't say because I don't want to kill any of them and I don't want to talk about the other thing. Yeah, fair enough. Valid. Um, let's see. All right. Um, we'll leave this as the last Instagram question. Um, T Money Jackson wants to know Do you have a day job to fund activities or are you fully sponsor supported? Yeah, I would say neither. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At this point. And that's like, like I said at the beginning, it's been kind of, I've been disappointed in myself for not getting another job in the last year. Um, but I'm working my way up to being fully funded by sponsors. Not quite there yet. Um, but is that, we'll see. Can, I, can I ask you, like, has that been difficult at all like like how do you value what you do how do you oh, value yeah. yourself as an, as an athlete like that that sounds 
Oh, it's been very difficult, especially coming from like, like Claire and Avra have been before Sage, you know, they were like the two big guiding lights in my life. And they are very based around like, what is the meaning of what we are doing? Like for a long time, they had a hard time being stoked about girls got dirt because they didn't really see like, what's the point? Like, what are we contributing to the world with this and I think they get that a little bit more now but that's how I felt about like you know falling into professional skiing and biking and influencing whatever is like what is the point I'm contributing nothing to the world and you know my previous job and my education it's been really easy to justify like I'm doing this for the good of environmental conservation and people and the planet whatever um and it's a bit it's a bit less of a direct connection now um so that that's been tough for me to like justify letting this be my life and job for a little bit and not going directly back into nonprofit conservation work um but i'm finding that there are a lot of ways i can combine like doing good for the world or at least my direct surrounding communities through and bike media stuff um and i'm i'm still figuring that out it's i mean i feel like i'm really new at all of this so it's kind of like first i gotta get my feet on the ground with you know being able to get that sponsor funding together and like get the full the full picture together and at the same time figure out what kind of initiatives can i join in my new home of the Pacific Northwest and what initiatives can I join around the world. Um, but I definitely am like, I don't, I want to contribute to things that are already going on rather than like start my own new thing. Cause I think there's so much like repetition or recreation of uh, initiatives that are already underway and are already doing really good. And it kind of, I would rather concentrate energy somewhere there's already like some build up rather than uh take attention away from that and put it onto my own thing so hmm. tbd we'll see yeah. how it goes that's a very thoughtful perspective like it's very uh i don't know i like I, I think in a lot of ways like you seem to have like a very fun and outgoing persona but like i guess it's interesting to hear and i think for people that don't know it's probably good to mention that like you do have like you did have a real job before this like it's not like you were like skier ski racer into just going right into this right like you're doing environmental conservation work beforehand um i just i don't know i think it's cool i think it's really cool yeah i think it's cool too but i think it makes it harder (laughs) for me to accept that like when people ask me what I do now, it's so hard for me to be like, I'm a professional skier. Do you feel guilty about it at all? Like, is that like, uh, because I don't think you should uh, in any way. I think you have a really cool opportunity and I think you have a really, you influence people in a positive way, right? Like, I mean, it's just like you're having fun, you're going out and skiing and you're going out and riding your bike. And that's, that's really rad. And sometimes people just need that aspect of it, right? Yeah, I think I will feel less guilty about it when I figure out like more formidable ways to integrate values outside of just being fun and having fun into it. Like, yeah, 
whether or not that's focused on conservation or diversity or just like being nice to everyone um but the tricky thing for me right now is like my whole brand and following or whatever has kind of been built around just like being really fun (laughs) and rowdy and so it's like the challenge of coupling the two in my communication and media um but I think that's like it's a fun challenge because so much of what we see in like sustainability or diversity focused media is um at least in the sustainability I think it's a little cringe sometimes you know and I want to be able to like you can have the two together and not take away from the like being something that's fun to watch yeah I don't think I agree I actually I talked to Vasu Sojitra this morning and uh he was kind of saying like we kind of talked about the same thing where it's like you don't want to be annoying like you don't want to be annoying about it there's a line that you can have where you're like look like I'm just trying to tell you the things that I care about I'm trying to do something that's impactful and important without being like just in your face and not like I still want to show the fun part the exciting part of it yeah so yeah, yeah that's cool that's really rad it's an interesting challenge and I think yeah. like lately I've felt there's been times where I've been like I should just quit all this now because like as as you know a white privileged wealthy person from the pacific northwest like i don't really have a place in sports media these days but it's uh i'm like i'm i'm learning more and more every experience that i have and like going to kendall and hearing from you know people of different backgrounds and people of color and people of color who are really uh pushing for diversity in sport kind of opened my eyes to like, this is not like pushing diversity in outdoor sports is not something that white people are excluded from. Like it's good for all of us. And maybe I would have, I'm sure I would have really benefited from growing up in sports communities with more diversity because at this point in my life, like, I know so few (laughs) people of color because I'm from Twist. I grew up in ski racing in the bike racing community in Colorado. Like I just, I've really interacted with so few people of diverse backgrounds in my life and that it kind of sucks. And then when I meet people these days who are like different than me, it's cool, but it's also like, wow, I have such, like I have so little practice being able to talk about things around that, you know? And I guess I've just kind of realized lately that like increasing diversity in sport is good in all the obvious ways that uh, we're really pushing right now, but it's also like good for all of us white people who don't get exposed to diversity because of growing up in ski and bike and whatever communities to like be able to be influenced by more diverse perspectives throughout our youth and our life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might actually be the most important thing that you've said all interview. I I think that's like, I think that's, that's so important for people to hear that like, 
I don't know, just the acknowledgement that you're like, okay, yeah, like this isn't, it's not against people who are white. Like, and it's, that's a thing that I kind of struggle with a lot. And I feel like a lot of people struggle with. It's like, it's not like people of color are like, oh, fuck everybody that's white. It's just like, everybody (laughs) just wants to be included, you know, like everybody just wants to have a good time together. And that's really the difference. And I think that's a really important thing to talk about. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where I see like my role in this like increasing diversity in the media in this current state is like, I want to have more diverse representation in my own media, but not necessarily like talk about it in a serious tone the way some like diversity focused pieces are, which are really important too. But yeah. that's like, you know, I have to figure out my own role. So I think it's like, um, like having, you know, you can't see it if you can't, be, or you can't be it if you can't see it. So having that visual there and being like showing, not telling and like still fun focused and rowdy this or whatever, but um, <laughs> just like pulling in as many different people as I can. Yeah. But. But then the tricky thing is, like, everything needs to get funded. It gets really tough to be like, I want to pull in all these different people into my filming project, but I'm asking you to fund it, and these people will not be wearing your products that I am supported by. So it's kind of a, it's an interesting battle in, like, building my own media projects right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be a hard bit too. But honestly, right now, I feel like any brand that can attach themselves to this kind of thing, it, it it is a good thing for them, right? Like, it doesn't really matter if everybody's wearing the shit. Like, that support goes a long way for brands right now for projects like this. Uh, you know, for projects where you're like, oh, I want to bring in everybody. Like, I want to include it. Like, I, uh, no, I think it's really important. And I think it's, uh, I can't see a reason that a brand would be like, fuck this. Like, this is not what I want to do right now. It just wouldn't make sense. Like we're in, we're in the time where like every brand is looking for a reason to market towards and be on the, like the right side of things, quote unquote. Right. So it's, uh, this kind of gives them an opportunity to be like, Oh, here's a project that I can kind of get behind with one of my athletes that wants to do something really good. Yeah. So I think that's fucking cool. Um, let's end on that. That's like, that's, yeah, that's amazing. I'm glad you said that. That's really cool. And I think this will kind of give people like, I don't know, a more detailed look at kind of who you are as a person too. Yeah. And I'm sorry. Like I, this, it's so interesting because before this year, like it's easy to be like diversity initiatives in marketing from brands are like just them jumping on the bandwagon of right increasing diversity and like wake of black lives matter on instagram movement right now which is maybe true sure that's a very multifaceted argument but also it's like increased my exposure to being able to talk about this stuff and like even thinking about this stuff more than i have ever like this has never been on my radar in my life before the last couple years which is not a good thing but i think no but that's part of it like that's part of it. Yeah. And that's like one really big benefit from the whole push on social media and everything that's going on with brand marketing now. It's like, it is 
being able to bring this stuff into your dinner time conversations, I think is really important, especially for, you know, white people who have grown up in <laughs> all white <laughs> communities. <laughs> like I've always, I've been so nervous to even like, yeah, talk about anything around diversity at all for most of my life. And honestly, until like the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Why though? Like there's no re that's what I think that's why these kinds of conversations are important is because now somebody else is going to go, Oh, she had this conversation, right? Like she's willing to talk about how she feels about it. I should be able to talk about it too. And the other part is like, people don't get it. They don't know what's okay to say. They don't know what's comfortable. Like they don't know what's all right. Like it's, yeah. it's a very hard society, especially if you live on the internet, like that shit's fucked right now. Yeah. And like, so, neither do I, that's why I never have. For sure. Me neither. It it's not like I fucking time, know I'm shit. Like, if I say this, then the counter argument is going to be this. But if I oh. say this and the counter argument, but then there's like memes describing exactly that problem. Like, that's why <laughs> we're being silent. Like, so I can't win here, but it's not, it's not about me winning. Obviously it's just like, it's really, the internet is such a scary place and every single thing you say will be picked apart. So it's, it's really easy to just not say anything at all. But I think that starting with saying stuff in real life is kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, for sure. The yeah, the internet's fucking dumb. It is what it is. It's not. I don't. I think. Trust me. I like we do Meme Friday, right? And it's like every Friday we make memes, and it's like been a bit for a little bit, a little bit now, and it's and it's fun, and like I have a good time. But like without a doubt, like every Friday. I get like 10 DMs that are like, fuck you, you're a piece of shit. Why would you say something <laughs> like this? I thought you were cool, man. Like every single week. And you know what? Like after a little while, I was just kind of like, I, initially I was like, I'm overanalyzing every single thing I make. I'm trying to make it. So like the yeah. wording is perfect so that nobody yeah. can pick it apart. You're making it like this is completely but the thing is, like The thing is on Instagram, especially these days, it's like suddenly everyone is an expert and everyone oh is like God. an academic. And every single person can come up with these academic theories, like thesis oh statements God. to every topic. And I'm like, when did we all become like, academics who are writing thesis statements oh my god for guy, every societal yeah. issue it's insane it is so crazy i like it's, I, it's kind of cool because people are critical thinking a little bit more maybe, maybe but they also might just be like pulling some shit out of their ass because then you yeah. go like you go to their profile and it's like hi my name's fucking tom and i like drive a bulldozer through people's yards on the weekend like you know it's like people that just do dumb shit on a rate, yeah. Tom actually does this or not, but like it is, it's just interesting and it's annoying because everybody has a platform, right? And the thing that I've kind of found is like the more you talk back to these people, like, because for a minute I was like, oh, I'll just clap back at these people, right? And it'll be good and it'll be funny and like I'll get some, I'll get some likes, I'll get some, some thumbs ups <laughs> on this comment, right? And I started like looking at the way that I was thinking about these things. And I was just—I just shouldn't do it that way anymore. Now I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to give it any—I'm not going to give it any gas. Yeah. Not anymore. It's a ruthless landscape. Yeah, I—I I can't. Yeah, I—it's—it's dumb. It is what it is. It is what it is. That's really all you can say. Let's all move to YouTube. 
Doesn't happen as bad over there. Everybody, I'm on Twitter. Twitter. That's my season goal. I take it back. My season goal this year is uh, to increase my YouTube presence. (laughs) (laughs) How many? How many subscribers do you have on YouTube? I think we have 112 or something. Like it's so sad. Few hundred, but I haven't like put anything out since college. But I keep saying I'm gonna do a vlog, and who knows? Maybe this year I'll actually start a vlog. But that's why I was kind of testing the question and answer that you got for this podcast to see if people like actually had questions worth answering that I could, you know, make a my intro vlog about. But honestly, it wasn't too promising. So maybe I'll give up the vlog. No, it's not. It's rough pretty consistently. I I've never seen it's I've never found a question that was like, oh, this is a that's kind of why I kind of have moved away from these is like they're just they're dumb most of the time. And I. I don't know. Like I've been doing this for a minute. I think I can think of a better question than some fucking dork on the internet. No <laughs> offense, dorks on the internet. <laughs> you are all really nice people. Don't hate me. Um. All right, uh, Delilah. Where can people find you on the internet? Where can people find you um, anywhere else? I guess. I am D Cuppers on Instagram, and I believe my YouTube URL is Delilah Cup which I'm not going to tell you how to spell. So if you figure it out on your own, (laughs) then you're in. You can watch all the the raunchy (laughs) GoPro edits from college, everyone's favorite content, and maybe stay tuned for a vlog dropping soon. But that's it. That's it for now. Awesome. Um, Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I will never be on TikTok. That's the last thing I want to say. Come on. Like, TikTok is great. I, uh... I think we're going to blow up on TikTok every week and then every week. Are you on TikTok? I am on TikTok, yeah. You figured it out? Honestly, I tried to make a TikTok video. I I could not do it. I've put one thing on TikTok, (laughs) but I made it in Instagram Reels and then just put it on TikTok. It's so hard. It's like it's Honestly, you know what's crazy? Like, Mike Hayes is the guy, like, who is, like, he's, like, the global head of digital at Ben & Jerry's, and that motherfucker, and he's, like, 40-something, and watch, he's going to be 30, and he's going to be so mad at me, and never going to (laughs) talk to me or sell me ice cream ever again, but um, he... He's like TikTok famous. Like I just don't understand. Really? Like people are just—he's so on it. He's so good at it. I—I'm never gonna get it. I'm not gonna get it to that level. Uh, the only time my shit does well is when I like—I don't know—share other people's content or I review a ski boot. You know, so um, yeah. TikTok is fucking dumb. I'll leave this anyway. podcast with if you're listening to this and you have figured out how to use the video creator on TikTok. Congratulations, you are smarter than me and more internet savvy and you will make it (laughs) amazing awesome thanks appreciate you thanks thanks for having me that was our interview with our interview that was my interview with delilah cup uh delilah is the shit i hope that is blatantly clear uh from our conversation um it's really cool to see the way that she's approached her career um and just the fact that she talks about feeling guilty like feeling like this is a selfish pursuit and i think the way that she's approaching it makes it a little less selfish um and hopefully more people kind of look at their careers that way and look at it from the outside a little more so um before we jump into our episode with nikolai we have a wonderful sponsor um and that is pro wax pro wax makes the best wax 
on the planet. It is eco-friendly, um, which sounds like it can't be true, but it absolutely is. Um, they have a whole slew of new waxes, wax products, and if you are a new Pearl Wax customer, you can save 20% off on the fastest wax out there, point blank. I mean, you want to be faster, you want to beat your buddies down the hill, your friends, your pals, your your crew, you want to race them, or you want to race, race. Um, the lovely people at Pearl have you covered. They also make skin wax now. They have a Pearl line of waxes. Um, Pearl's the shit. It is a family-owned company based in Colorado and, once again, environmentally friendly. So you can save 20% off of your first purchase using Out of Bounds 20. Um, and, uh, and yeah, let's jump into the episode with Nikolai Shermer. Cool. Well, Nikolai, thank you for doing this. Um, tell people one more time. I know you've been on before. Um, tell people who you are. Tell them a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, thank you. Hello. Uh, I'm Nikolai Shermer. I'm from Norway. I'm a skier, and I make films about my skiing. Uh, they can watch on my YouTube channel and in the last Matchstick movie and some other projects. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm 30 years old now, getting old. And I just realized that I was 30 because I had my Achilles tendon torn, which is apparently it's like an old person's thing. It's like really? generally if you're past 30, yeah. No kidding. Well, happy 30th, I guess. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah. All right. So tell you just told me, but we might as well talk about it now because that's like a significant thing, obviously, to start a ski season with uh, a pretty significant injury. But um, we're looking on the positive side here. But tell people kind of what happened. Um, we'll kind of run through um, run through that story. Yeah. So it was my first day out skiing this year, uh, and we always go to this one zone, which is it's really cool because it's uh, very accessible. Is basically you boot pack uh, 700 meters like uh, straight up, um, uh, like yeah, no approach, and you're up in this zone where there's uh, glaciers and old snow. So even if you just have a little bit of snow, you can still ski some pretty cool terrain up there. And um, and now we had a lot of snow. We had uh, like yeah, three feet a meter of snow um, that had fallen. And I know because I probed the landing on like some more serious uh, terrain that I skied, like it's some. Like big cliffs, like ten meter cliffs, and ski to Kuluar and did uh, all kinds of fun stuff. And then um, on the way back, like we're just cruising down this really mellow slope, like just a flat field of powder. Um, my buddy is running in front of me, and he's all good. He says later that he like felt one rock under his board, but like didn't think much of it. But I kind of like I did one of those turns where you kind of land sideways, have some snow fly in your face, and like as I landed sideways. There was a rock there um, oh. that caught, caught my ski. So I kind of flipped forward and then uh, started tomahawking uh, first on my face. And so I hit the ground with my with my head and like I have two big dents in my helmet and my forehead, but I also hit it on the, the side of my head. So I, I did got five stitches like in my ear basically because um, uh, I hit a rock with my with my head there. And, uh, and that like broke, so it broke the bone that goes from like from, from my ear towards your nose. I don't know what you call that bone in English. Hinbane yeah. in Norwegian. Um, <laughs> and so that broke. And then I kept on walking and I hit the ground with my uh, with my boot. I cracked my boot or broke my boot and tore my Achilles tendon. And then I kept on walking more and I uh, landed on my hand that broke in three places. Uh, and then I stopped and I was good. And I was like, okay, I'm all right. And I was like, I didn't even feel my Achilles tendon actually. 
I, I, like, I realized right away that my hand was broken. And I could, like, when I hit my head, I got the... You know when you watch a movie and there's, like, a flashbang that goes off? Like a grenade? Yeah. And you get, like, the really loud, like, screeching yeah, right. sound. Like, I had that, like, ringing in my ear. But I didn't pass out or anything. So I didn't think I was... Uh, had a concussion right away. And I felt, like, pretty good. Like, my experience, like, after the crash, because it was pretty violent like while it was going on because I was like hitting the ground multiple times just hitting rocks I was like whoa what's going on in this I thought this was a powder field you know mm. um and uh and I stopped and like my immediate response was like holy shit I'm okay like that went really well uh and I felt my hand was broken I was like okay that's not a big deal I've broken my hand a bunch of times and uh but then I tried to walk to like you know uh find all the gear that I lost and um and I realized I didn't have any power in my right foot like nothing happened as i tried to push down on it and i was thinking like oh shit i hope it's not a tendon i hope i'd broken something in there because i did feel the rock like hitting the boot um yeah but i didn't like know what had happened and i honestly like didn't think i could even like tear my achilles in my boot i didn't think so either yeah so, i didn't think that was a thing that happened to people <laughs> yeah it's weird right because like the the thing they give you, like the the walker the, that I'm now in, is kind of like a ski boot. Exactly. It's just like a ski boot. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I could have just worn my ski boot the whole time. But uh, it was actually it was uh, actually the ski boot broke, so the whole thing yeah broke when it hit the rock, and then uh, mm. that's how it happened. And then I got uh, my first experience with a heli, uh, like heli rescue. That's crazy. And dude, I also I was scrolling through the pictures a little while ago, and you're fucking smiling in the photo. <laughs> While all of this has just happened to you, you're in the blanket and you're smiling like this. And I'm just, how is this dude still like, I would be missing. I take a picture. I'd be like, get away from me. Like no chance. <laughs> no, man. I was happy. I was so happy. I was so like, I felt so lucky that I was yeah. okay. And I was felt so lucky that it was, you know, it was a sunny day. It was, there was no wind. Um, I had like a, like a sort of like a baby shelter, like a wind sack, we call it right. in Norwegian. I had, my friends had some like rescue, like foil blanket things. And we had, uh, we even had some painkillers. Like I got some mild opiates. Um, so it was, it was, it was like, I was just happy. I was okay. And that I would be able to get out of there uh, without any like big issues. Like if it had been a whiteout, like, and they wouldn't have been able to fly the heli, then I would have to, you know, get myself out of there somehow. Or like with the help yeah. of my friends and that would have been a shit show like we were like literally on the top of the mountain like uh what is it like three thousand feet up or like it was yeah far a long way down and most of it was like through a scree field like most of uh, yeah. the snow didn't start till like yeah less than halfway up so uh or more than halfway up. so uh, so i was pretty happy with that and also just like um because my buddy he skied a road in front of me and he was he was like at the bottom of the run before he realized I wasn't behind him anymore. And when I realized I couldn't walk, like that I was stuck and then that I wouldn't need rescue, I tried to like check my phone and I didn't have any service. Mm. So I couldn't call for for the heli. Um, so I was just kind of, so I saw there was like a, an outcrop, like this like ledge I could kind of, or like this other part of the slope where I could crawl out to and maybe get reception. It was pretty far away. And like I'd broken my hand too. So I was like, I was like one hand, one foot. And I was like, okay, that's, <laughs> that's like, it's going to be a shit show for me to like try to move anywhere. But then kind of randomly, our two friends, um, Ada and Anik, these two girls that were just coming up behind us, like they just followed our skin tracks. 
and just came over the hill behind us. And I was like, hey, uh, do you guys have reception over there? Uh, yeah. And I'm like, okay, can you guys call the rescue for me? And um, and they did. And uh, from there on out, it was just like smooth sailing. Like the heli came within like half an hour, uh, flew me straight to the hospital. And and like the, the rescue guy too, right? It's super cool. He like comes in like on a, on a line, like a, on a rope under the heli. And it, it's like <laughs> one of the smaller helis that doesn't have like a winch. So the, it's like a static line under the heli. And he just got like flies in and he has like an inflatable um, stretcher. So, so he, uh, he, he like kind of gets, gets off the, the rope under the heli, the heli flies away, he like pumps up this stretcher, I jump in there, the heli comes back and he like uh, connects it and then they have to like pull me out of the, out of the slope, like the heli is just hovering and he's like doing all these crazy like hand signals, like, cause it's so loud, they can't communicate with the radio. And then because there's no winch on the, the smaller helicopters, they have to like fly me, like, like tow me under the heli like on top of another mountain. So we like fly to another mountain, land there. And then, you know, it's beautiful. It's a uh, sunset. It's like the Lingen Alps and all their beauty, uh, no wind. And I'm like, mm, this is actually like, it's kind of amazing. And then they take me to the hospital. And from there, you know, they greet me with a, a wheelchair and they just like wheel me around to all the different, uh, like different areas, oh, I have to, so different kind of doctors I have to see. And uh, just take, uh, take really good care of me. I was like, throughout this whole process, I've been kind of blown away by how nice everyone is and like how willing everyone is to help you. And especially like, we're super lucky too in Norway though, cause like everything's free too. So it's like- Yeah, that's what I was gonna just, ask. I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm getting my tax money back right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. God, man, I can't believe it. Yeah, I mean, when you say like that, yeah, like in hindsight, sure to be positive about the situation and be like, yeah, I'm really lucky is, uh, is one thing, but I think in the moment to feel lucky is, is a totally different level of like self-awareness and awareness of your situation. Right. Like to be like, cause again, like I would just be upset that anything happened probably. And I, I do not think that I would be in the same mindset that you were where you're like, yeah. this is cool. Like this is, this is amazing. We got lucky. Like that's, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Do you do any mindfulness at all? Not really. Maybe I should start. <laughs> yeah. It helps. <laughs> no, but also I think in a way, like I've thought about like a lot of the risk, like because I do expose myself to a lot of risk right. all the time. And like I've had to talk to, you know, friends and family about that. And so I, I am I have been really conscious about all the risks I am taking. And even even just something like this, you know, like skiing is inherently dangerous, especially backcountry skiing. Like right. you know, shit will happen eventually. And the longer you do it, the you know something will happen and this like it's 10 years since my last big injury so it's mm. like it's you know run. you're gonna yeah it's a good run and and that that was another thought that was in my head like immediately or pretty yeah while i was laying there in the snow waiting for people to help me it was like i would be like pretty like dumb or naive to not see this coming or like to be surprised mm. by this happening because it's like it was more like okay this is a part of it like this is you know this is a as much a part of skiing as you know that sunny powder day where you're all smiles and laughing like this yeah. is also skiing like this is yeah you can't you can't really avoid that yeah so, and like that being said it was very early season it was october 19th and there were right. like probably more rocks than there were later in the season but right. um but you know you have uh what's a formula one guy schumacher crashing on the side yeah. of the pists 
And yeah. like my friend Jakob uh, Wester, he hit a rock like mid-season in Chamonix. Messed up is like really bad. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, it can happen anytime. And I think it's better too. Or I don't know if I like think it was, that was just my response. Maybe I should yeah. have been more depressed. Who knows? No, I probably not. No, in no way. I'm actually like in awe kind of that. So I, that's actually what I want to ask you about is when you talk about mindfulness, what does that mean? What do you do to practice that? Yeah, so it's basically, um, so I got a lot of it from my friend. He has tinnitus, like that um, ear condition, or like, I guess it's actually like a mind condition where you get the sound ringing in your ear. Um, yeah. And he had all these techniques to like live with that and accept that. Like the only treatment for it is basically to just, yeah, like accept it and keep going. And so they they have all these techniques where they um, essentially, how can I explain it? So it's like, you know how you have thoughts popping up? Like you think, right? You think and you feel and the normal way of being and the normal way of living, at least for me, was to just like, I am what I'm thinking. And I am what I'm feeling. There's no filter to it. If I feel hungry, I'm like, okay, I am a hungry person right now. But the thing with, or if I'm sad, I am a sad person right now. This is me. I'm sad. But with mindfulness, uh, what you try to do is to just kind of take one step back and just kind of, uh, instead of identifying with every thought and uh, feeling that comes into your head, you just try to be conscious and just observe all these things that come and go into your heads. Cause like, at least in my experience, I don't choose what I think. Like right now, there was an apple that popped into my head because like I had a little piece of my apple that, that was stuck in my tooth and I tasted it. I was mm. like, oh, it was apple. And like, I didn't choose that. That just happened. And right. so that like appears in my consciousness. And then the act of like being mindful is just kind of not immediately identifying with that thought or uh, feeling uh, or act on those, but rather be like, okay, here's a thought, here's a feeling. Um, is this constructive? Does this take me to where I want to be, where I want to go? Does this help me and those around me? How, how should I, how should I deal with this thing that's in my head? And if it is constructive, if it is positive, uh, you can act on it, uh, embrace it, identify with it. If it's not, then there are like techniques to, uh, kind of let it pass without it, like taking up more uh, space in your life than than you'd like and that's not easy like i still get right. sad and happy or like all that stuff but there's just like this attempt at doing that at least hmm. yeah that's that's really interesting. i imagine that's extremely helpful for situations where you're like where someone gets hurt right or like when you need to make a quick decision when you need to like be present in something that requires your full attention yeah totally and yeah, because it, and it's the same thing too. Like if you're gonna do a scary line or, or do uh, right. do something, you know, there's all these emotions that kind of tell you to not do it. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, yeah, no, but it is uh, it is interesting. And and like I think the problem with that like whole school of thought sometimes is that they're like just talking about mindfulness, like whereas mm -hmm. oh you're depressed, do mindfulness. But it's like okay, if you're depressed, there's probably other things in your life that are causing that. Like, is there stress at work? Right. Is there, right. you know, are you out of money? Did you just lose your girlfriend or whatever? Like those things obviously affect your, your, uh, your mental health. But uh, I think it's like one tool among all the other tools that you can mm -hmm. utilize to have a, a better life, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully.
Um, have they given you a timeline? Um, like, are you planning on skiing this year? Is that something that's on the horizon? Is this a, is this season a wash for you? Like what, what's the story there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I can like go back to the starting point. Like I was, uh, on like a film tour this fall and like okay. I had I have my own movie that's coming out in, uh, yeah, December 16th, Wavy, right. which is like yep. a 45 minute film that's coming out and I was we had like a closing segment of the matchstick film and I was like holy shit like all this stuff is happening and that's crazy and I never expected that and I'm very grateful I was like this could very well be the peak of my career like who knows and yeah, yeah. I was like really trying to appreciate that and then like this happened like right after I was like <laughs> okay maybe that was the peak of my career who knows um and uh and like immediately like while I was sitting there in the snow I was like really hope this is not my Achilles because I just know with like the tendon injuries I've had before right. like ruptures it's taken forever um and it but then I got to the hospital and the doctor he was like ah it's eight weeks I was like what eight weeks that sounds like not a lot of time for a tendon to heal and uh and I started googling and uh looking back and forth and I found this do you know the Norwegian ski racer Axel and Svindal yeah yeah, so he tore his Achilles same day as me, uh, October 19th, uh, but 2015, I think. And he mm -hmm. was racing World Cups uh, again, and I think he won February 4th that same winter. Same season? So, same season, so just That's over three months. And uh, so I called his physio up, and uh, he works at like, the Olympic Center of blah, 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 in Norway. And he said that he just kind of randomly got in the gig because he was the physio at the Olympic Center for those kind of athletes. And he said he knew another girl who was like the real main lady. And um, and she knew it even better. And she'd like done all the research on Achilles uh, ruptures and like comebacks in, in Norway. And they just had actually a big, big study on it. Uh, 500 people in a randomized controlled trials to see whether it's better to do surgery or not do surgery. And mm. so they, they recently figured out actually that it's better to uh, not do surgery. So I haven't done surgery at all. I've just let it heal. No kidding. Uh, yeah, and it, that's weird because it's, you know, it's fully ruptured. There's nothing there. And there was like, right. um, and there was like a 2.5 centimeter gap, like from where my tendon was and where it was supposed to be. And that's like, how does, how does that heal? Like imagine you have like a two and a right. half centimeter gap in your skin. Like that's not gonna heal, you need to stitch that up. Um, but what they do is they put your foot in um, uh, like an, at an angle, like toes pointing downwards. So your heel is pushed up towards, towards your tendon basically. No and by doing that, you get uh, 0.7 centimeter or what is that? Seven millimeters. I'm not too good with this yeah. uh, gap. <laughs> and uh, and then it kind of just like, and then there's like all these blood and gore in there apparently from like when it tears. And yeah. then the tendon just kind of sends these little like tentacles down and attaches itself. So what? within two weeks, I had uh, I had my uh, tendon reattached like all by itself. And you can see, and, that's crazy. Yeah, like two weeks that's later, so that's nuts. And then, so I was like two weeks, no walking. And like, it was just, it was two weeks now walking for my tendon. And then I also like, didn't have a hand for my, for my <laughs> fractures. So I was like one foot, one crutch. And then I also couldn't chew because of the fracture on my face. Oh my God. So I was like eating soup and yogurt and, uh, and yeah, like, thank God for like my girlfriend and my parents. Like I would have, yeah, I think I even lost some weight to that period. It's hard to get enough nutrition if you like can't eat. 
properly. Yeah, you're eating soup. That's what people do around here to lose weight is they just eat soup and liquid diets all the time and they just like dump a bunch of weight. Yeah, that was essentially my program. Uh, I was so hungry and I was like, I was trying to eat, but like, I just like wanted some like texture and like something to chew on. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that was two weeks. And then I was in the like Walker uh, brace sort of thing. And, uh, and then they're still on like a high heel to keep your, uh, your, uh, your, uh, like your heel in the right position, I guess, uh, for it to heal properly. And now it's five weeks in. So I have three more weeks in the brace and then I'm uh, fully on the, and I'm already like taking my foot out of the brace, doing exercises to, to rebuild the muscle. Um, and then there's a physical test I need to do. So when I can stand up on my, like uh, on my toes, but not like ballerina style on my toes, but I like on the, my forefoot, I guess, uh, on my right foot, on my um, uh, injured foot, then I'm like uh, good to go skiing. And my, uh, the physio caught in, she says, uh, 50% of the most patients can do that within three months. Uh, but she told me on Monday that I, she was probably looking at like a four month window for me. So I'm not, mm. I don't know if she's like playing mind games, trying to motivate me or like what's going on. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm messing just, with just messing with my head, trying to get me to hit the gym harder. <laughs> and you know what? It's like, I'm not the kind of guy to like hit the gym. Like I, I don't really, I get used to go to the gym a lot in my teens. Uh, but, uh, like, uh, last 10 years, I've just been like rock climbing, riding bikes, surfing, skiing, like not really doing a lot of like exercise, exercise, you know, yeah. like traditional workouts. And like, I haven't noticed, like, I feel like my physique has been as good, I, I guess. You're doing stuff uh, though. You're doing active things that are like strenuous on the body. So yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're working out and it's, I think the best workout for for skiing is to go skiing and the best workout right. for climbing is to go climbing etc so it's so i get kind of get the gym like now i'm now i'm in a city i'm in oslo i'm staying at my girlfriend's place um because yeah the physio is down here and it's like all my family is down here this is the capital of norway yeah and um and i kind of get that people go to the gym because it's efficient you know if you have a regular job and you want to you know work out it's, it's a good way to do it so now I'm spending more time there and I'm, I'm kind of getting into it. I'm, I'm liking the bike more than I thought I would, you know? <laughs> it's funny. Skiers, like, uh, you see it. I, I like, I have this image of Tanner Hall ingrained in my head of him just like running through the bike. I don't know if it was when he did his Achilles or his ACL, but like he's, I just have that image of him like going hard on the bike and like posting it every single day. Of like, I'm on the bike today. I'm on the bike today. I'm on the bike today. It's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know it's, what it is, but it's, but that guy is a beast at rehab, you know? So he's done he's, it a lot. He's been, he's done it a lot. And and that was also kind of uh, distressing to me. I saw he just posted, he was back on snow um, yeah. 10 months after his Achilles. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, that's like way longer than, than got surgery, I'm hoping right? for. Uh, I would assume he got surgery. Yeah. Yeah. yeah most people that I know, especially in the States, like the, the move is surgery, right? Like that's, and I think that's you hear people talk about it all the time where like the US, they like to cut you open, like they like to actually do the surgery and do the process, um, even if they don't necessarily need to. Like it's I don't know how true this is. And I'm sure somebody that's a doctor in the US is going to like 
call me out on this and be like, you're, you're an idiot. It's not true. Um, but you hear it a lot, right? And you hear about people. And yeah, that's what I've known too. Like I just told you, a buddy of mine has same deal and it's eight months. And he's like, I'm hoping for a few more months that I can go snowboarding, right? So it is, it's, it's totally different than three, four. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I did my PCL and MCL and meniscus in Jackson Hole. And uh, I went to the surgeon there and he was like, you got to do surgery. You mm -hmm. come under my knife, boy. And I, was, <laughs> and I was like, and, and I called and I called back home and both my parents are doctors. So right. they're like, don't, don't, don't do surgery <laughs> over there. Like, come home. And I come home and I talk to the, uh, like the team uh, at the hospital in Norway. And they're like, no, no, no. You're like, you don't like, we have, you know, football players at the top, like main Premier League of Norway uh, yeah. without that tendon. Like, you don't need it. Like, you're all good. Like, just don't get the surgery. Because the thing with surgery, it's interesting because you, it works. But uh, especially, at least for the Achilles, like the, uh, so I read one study. Uh, it's a meta-analysis meta from Harvard where they looked at 15,000 cases. And um, and they saw that. So, so there, so there's a tiny, like, like a few percent more risk of re-rupture uh, with when you didn't get the surgery like uh it's called the conservative way of treating it uh but mm. the the risk of complication with the surgery was higher so like you know infection and all that stuff so uh so like you, you'd kind of run a higher risk of something going wrong with the surgery than without the surgery and that was like the the numbers as of last year i guess but now there's a new study which is like the golden standard of science like a randomized controlled trial where you know you put a bunch of people that get the surgery a bunch of people that don't get the surgery randomly and you look at what happens and in this new study they there's 500 people they see that it's uh yeah just as good to not get the surgery and I, actually my physio too says it's like it, it, the issue for me won't be re-rupture the issue is whether my achilles grows back too long so i won't have the same power in my uh mm. in my foot but I, I don't it's it's hard to navigate like tanner hall he's the master of rehab and he's doing 10 right. months and i'm like what's going on so it's right it's like right i've never done this before so it's yeah yeah i'm, I'm gonna be talking out i am talking out of my ass here you know i have no kind idea of, but you're looking up and, and it's also like we mentioned this before it's like healthcare is totally different where you are versus where we are right like it's yeah. it's looked at totally different like here it's a business it, it's like that is part of it it is a business and i'm sure to some extent it is there too but you're talking about a totally different motivation for helping people get better. Um, even when these doctors are taught these things, right? Like this is just a totally, it's just a different situation. Right. So, I mean, yes and no, right. Like I'm, I'm an idiot. I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to like medical stuff, but that is the reality of the situation. So I'm not, yeah. you know, and I don't think you're giving anybody advice. You're just saying what you're doing and what, you know, what you've been told. And that's, that's fine and correct because it's what people that have this knowledge are telling you. So, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I, and I do think you do see that in Norway too. It, it's a strange structure. Like, I don't know how relevant this is for a skiing podcast, but I'll get into it quickly. So sure. Norway is an interesting case. Cause like you guys have a, a private system with a, you know, private um, uh, multiple payer system of uh, insurance and hospitals are private and everything. So in Norway, it's like single payer government pays for everything. Um, but the, the government units of healthcare are set up in like a business model. They're pretending mm -hmm. to be businesses because, you know, uh, uh, 
the eighties happened and Reaganism happened and Thatcher happened and that all like that right. wind of the right wing of the right swept over a window of the right swept over Norway too. Um, so it's all set up to like pretend to be a business to like have the incentives to do, do stuff uh, basically. Um, but they see that like when they turn those incentives, like when they don't have them dialed right, you get like kind of perverse outcomes where you, you, my dad are, is telling these stories from hospitals around Norway where they've like dialed the pricing for things wrong and they see that if they like up the price of one type of procedure they just see a bunch of that procedure without like there actually being like the medical need for it it's just like you have the incentive to do it um so so I, I do I would assume that's what's happening like with the doctor I was seeing in the US like his incentive is obviously to to do the surgery because that's what you get paid to do you know, right. if someone comes to me and, and they ask me, hey, do you want to do, I want to do, I want to sell stuff in the ski industry. I'm like, sweet, I'll do marketing in a movie. Because like, that's right. what I do. I do marketing in ski films and on right. Instagram. That's my solution. So, right. Yeah. That's, yeah, um, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing. And I think it is relevant. I think it's relevant because so many people go through this, right? Like, especially like ACL surgeries, like that's the most common injury for skiers in the US. Like everybody gets it done. Like I... If you pick randomly 10 skiers in a room, chances are half of them are getting a, like have had some kind of ACL injury or surgery. And uh, it, so it's important to know, like it's, it's something worth talking about. So like people can actually explore their options, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the incentive is definitely money. And I don't even know that it's always because of the drive for money. It's just what they're good at, right? Like it's just what they're good at cutting you open. They're professionals at cutting you open. That's, you want it like you just said you want to do what you're good at right yeah so for it, sure. it may not be the best option right like marketing in a ski movie and i'm, I'm not saying this because i think it is a, a good but i'm just drawing an example yeah. um may not be the best marketing tactic to sell skis you know right like it's just the one that you're the best at so yeah, that's yeah. i don't know yeah no no but that's that's exactly it but what i would do so as far as i know like acls surgery is still the best option but all yeah. this uh, info is like readily available out there. Like if you Google, like uh, there's PubMed, there's all these websites where you can find what what you're looking for. If you have any kind of injury and you're pondering whether to go like surgery, no surgery, what kind of surgery, there's all these meta analyses where they go, basically it's like a compilation of all the science that's done on a specific topic. And they just tell you what's, what's what basically what we're observing in the world when 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 we do it and because i think the interesting part would like take uh achilles surgery in norway like up until like two three years ago they did surgery on everyone but right they, they didn't look like they didn't check if it actually worked better than not doing surgery so it's mm -hmm. like once they started looking at it they were like oh shit, it's actually uh we don't need to do that and uh this works just as good but i think it also has to do with advances in like physiotherapy so I think back in the, I talked to someone who did like, you know, uh, what was it like three months in a cast or something? And then when your foot comes out of that, it's just ruined. It's just gone. Like it's yeah. all the muscle is gone and you know, it's a shit show to get it back, back working. And even just me now, like even like two weeks in a, like a proper cast, I lost like a centimeter of muscle around my um, calf, which is not a ton, but then imagine like 10 weeks like that. So, um, right. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think there's like the advances in physiotherapy help a lot too, but, um, yeah. no, it's interesting. I, I've thought a lot too about like, uh, motivation because, because I mean, some people definitely like 
stop after big injuries. But to me also, it's like, it's such a, a motivation to like have skiing to come back to. Like, that's like, I go to the gym knowing yeah. like, fuck, this is sweet. I'll be able to ski because I do this. Right. Yeah. So that's Having nice. that belief has got to be something. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Let's talk about something other than surgery and injury and this kind of thing. So uh, Wavy's coming out December 16th. Um, talk to me a little bit about what that project was like. The trailer is amazing. If people haven't seen it, I will share it when this episode comes out on Tuesday. But um, talk to me a little bit about what the project was like, what the experiences were like, and what the whole premise behind the film is. Yeah. Um, so Wavy is a film about me and my friends trying to ski this mountain range in like the yeah, northernmost part of, of mainland Norway. Um, and it's a mountain range that I saw like 10 years ago. I was working on a documentary film project in this uh, fjord uh, where there's like all these native uh, tribes uh, of uh, Norway uh, that I was, yeah, I was filming that for a completely different project. And even in this, uh, this was in the summertime. And in the summertime in Northern Norway, there's uh, midnight sun. So you have mm -hmm. sun coming into these North faces. And um, even like at midnight uh, in in summer, there was like snow coming down this like black uh, vertical rock face that looked like crazy. I was like, I want to ski that. Um, but the only way to get there is to to go by sea, uh, unless you want to go for a really, really, really long uh, hike. So I've been thinking about it, like had it in the back of my head for years. Um, but then, uh, you know, I've been doing other things, like things that are easier, easy access and, you know, going to the Alps, going to other countries, doing things that are further away from home. But then, you know, the pandemic happened. We kind of had to look at options in Norway uh, and this sprang up. And I also had a friend from high school, actually, who'd bought a boat with some buddies, an old like expedition boat that had been like freezing into the ice in Greenland and doing all these kinds of uh, things. And, um, and he was like, yeah, we should do a project together. So uh, I got on the boat with Krister um, uh, Kopala. He's a snowboarder. If you've watched the YouTube channel, you'll yeah him. he rips uh yeah he's he's super super good and then there's uh merrick mordal she's from alaska actually but uh she lives in in uh, Trumse, where I'm from. and uh yeah and then Jonas Matla shot it so then i'll film his um yeah regular film where i've been working a bunch with and then there's captain crocs who's like the the main character of the film he uh he runs the boat and he's uh he's yeah he was he's fun you'll get to meet him in the in the movie so it's kind of like when I told my friends about the trip after I told them, it's like, you know, you watch Lord of the Rings. It's a good movie. It's an entertaining movie. All these kind of drama, dramatic things happen. There's lots of action and it's, yeah, it's good. You, you, you enjoy it, but you don't want to live the experience of Sam and Frodo. Right. And that's kind of <laughs> my takeaway from wavy too. It was like, you know, we had like the biggest storm of the season, I think like at sea and you're on a tiny boat and everything's going back and <laughs> forth. And I, I didn't sleep for like a week, you know, going into some of the yeah. bigger objectives that I did last season. And also we were dealing with some uh, sketchy avalanche conditions and uh, yeah, just doing some of the the scariest writing I've done, like just writing wise, but then you also had the Abbey uh, component there. And it's sort of like, yeah, it's a story of like pushing, 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 pushing. And then nature, you know, finally says stop at some point. And then like, what do you do? And uh, yeah, that's that. And then also there was this kind of side 
track or like other side of that story where both me and Krista were 30 years old now. Um, we both have gotten girlfriends like fairly recently within the last two years. And we're just find ourselves in this new life situation, right? You have people that care about you and that you care about and yeah, being reckless in the mountain is mm. not as maybe easy as before. Like you have to, yeah. yeah. People are asking questions and you got to answer them with a straight face. Yeah. So uh, that was a big, uh, a big theme too. So it's, uh, yeah, it's adventure, it's friendship and it's uh, skiing really and snowboarding. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Like when you have somebody to kind of go back to, you're like, oh, this is, this is, I, I had Cody Townsend on a few weeks ago. And one of the things we talked about was how he has a child now and now like how he assesses what he does. And for him, his answer was a little different. It was talking about like, oh, I'm always extremely careful. Like that is the way that I am anyway. I want to come home regardless. Like the, the child did not change that for me as much as I love this child it didn't necessarily change it. I'm always trying to be careful, but I think it's different with a significant other because you now have to deal with their adult human anxieties for the things that you do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's always been like, yeah, I'm careful. I don't want to die, but there is obviously a risk of dying. You know, like if you go into right. avalanche train, you will never have all the information and you know, you try to make the best assessments you can, but you can never be sure. Like every year there's an experience person who, who dies in the mountain because you know you you that's part of the fun right you don't know it's adventure um and that dying is not part of the fun but like the <laughs> sense of <laughs> the sense of the unknown, there. like yeah you gotta pick choose your words wisely here it's on tape um but for me it's always been like okay there's this there's kind of a scale of like risk uh you're willing to accept and on on uh, like what what you can achieve on one side and then like the risk or the consequences of it going wrong on the other side um and like what's to to lose and i think like when you don't like when you're you know single and young and you just want you know to do cool stuff in the mountain there's like a lot less on like the side of the scale that's you know um conservative but then i think the more you know babies and family life and just significant others they kind of you have more to lose, I think. I, I yeah. talked to um, I talked to a climber who's done like a bunch of expeditions in Antarctica and like all these like first ascents and he's done crazy stuff and like his brother died in the mountain and it's and he talks about it like um, it's not like he he doesn't want to climb crazy stuff anymore because he he like feels an obligation towards his kids. It was more like he um, he he just wants to be with the kid more than he wants the crazy stuff. It's like, uh, mm. you know, it's like a, a joyful thing. Like I want, I want both, but I want this other thing more. Uh, and I think to me, that's, that's kind of the effect being in a committed re relationship has had too. Like the part of my life that is not on the mountain has grown maybe more interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Like I have more to come back home to. Yeah. Um, like there's more. Yeah. There's just more value. And it makes sense. It makes total sense. I think that it's actually a very relatable thing to a lot of people because so many people that, especially on a ski podcast, obviously, like people are doing these things. They're chasing things that they want to do. Right. And, but they also have lives. So they kind of, it's a very understandable thing for, for most people, I would think. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it is interesting. I was just talking to Evan. I was sitting at the field productions office today. You remember Supervention, those films? Yeah, yeah. 
yeah and i was talking to evan sigsta he's the like co-director but also did a lot of urbans like mm-hmm. uh good parts with tom wallish and yes but he added and um and he was saying because he's kind of quit now like he's quit he's he's over it and we were talking about that and he was like okay there is a good life on the other side too it was yeah. like if there you can have a good life without skiing and to me that's kind of i get that on like uh you know theoretical level but i have no way get that like i can't imagine that you know i can't imagine yeah. not sure. having skiing yeah, yeah. life so, yeah i yeah and i mean you're you're too young i think to actually like think about like what's next but i mean has that even been a thought to you like what what you're going to do after skiing like are there things that you value doing right i I don't know yeah i mean i love surfing beer no but i mean like life like like job like that kind of thing do you have any interest in that or is that like so far down the line that you're like i don't even want to consider because i think you start to see people like tom wallish do this thing where they're getting into commentary right they're getting into being involved in skiing in an external fashion right like in a way that's slightly more removed from the actual doing of it right i mean he's still doing it and he's still one of the best ever but it's a it's a different mindset to go into it and be like oh let me test out these other things and these other avenues yeah you're kind of like uh i guess you're getting a broader focus in a way i think okay so my take on it i have kind of two uh ways into that question like the, the first one is that like what I'm doing right now, like making a living out of making these films and skiing, right. it's not something that I like, I, in a way, like it didn't even exist when I was a kid. Like there wasn't social media, there right. wasn't YouTube. There wasn't like, you were either in like a time ski movie or you weren't anything. Um, yeah. So it was like, I couldn't have imagined what I'm doing right now. Like there was no way for me to plan for it. And I just kind of followed, you know, my, I guess my passions and like what I found interesting and put energy into that um, as I went along and ended up in a place that I find uh, really nice and pleasant and that I enjoy. Uh, so yeah. I kind of have that, like, I think I've, my strategy, if you say, is like, like life planning, if that, that's the thing, is just kind of keep doing that and just keep like putting energy into the projects and things I find uh, fun and interesting and that also, you know, you're able to make a living from. Um, and then the other side is like, I, like, I've always had filmmaking, like my, my first, like I was doing commercial work for my big sponsors way before they paid me to do any sort of skiing. So like, right. and I was okay. in law school, right. I went to, to law school for six years. So I like, I think I've had so much, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure like a late comer to like the whole like pro skiing thing. And yeah. I've never had the experience of like, you know, someone like uh, Jakob, for example, Jakob Wester, who's like grew up as like a teenage prodigy and had skiing be as like one thing. Um, so I think like, uh, it, it's never it's never been that for me either. Like uh, even today, yeah. like I'm still doing so much like producing and directing and editing and all this stuff. So I think, um, yeah, I'm already kind of like broadening my thing. So I don't know, but I think, I think maybe, I think, I was talking to um, Hedvig Wessel. She's uh, my co-skier in that matchstick segment. And her boyfriend, uh, he was, uh, he's ex-military. He used to go like, um, you know, Afghanistan and all these uh, places. And he'd be like, he was telling, he was talking about his experience of like pulling back from it. 
because we were talking about when do you know that you're no longer wanting to push it and be at the peak. And he was saying like, is he'd do this like remote deployments where it'd be out with like one guy and then a bunch of like Bangladeshis or something that are like someone from like a different unit. Um, I think they're working with Bangladeshis. And he said like, at one point it felt really good and it was going for it. And then like immediately, like he felt it when it wasn't there anymore. And I'm not feeling that yet. I'm still like, right, you're there. I'm still wanting to push it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can wanna, see it in I your still face. Ride. <laughs> yeah. I want to go. I want to, you know, I want to be out there. And especially now with this injury, I feel like right. kind of not reignited, but for sure, like stoked the fire, you know? Yeah. No, I'm, ex I'm excited for you. Um, okay, cool. Well, I appreciate the time. December 16th, people can watch uh, Wavy. Uh, tell people where they can get it, uh, where they can find you on the internet and the whole deal. Yeah, uh, thank you. Just one side note, no way derogatory yep. towards Bangladesh is there. That was just the company he was with. The, no, the, I, I, uh, I got yeah. that. I feel like that was clear, yeah. but like, I'm maybe sorry. like, I just wanna, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I, I totally get it. And 100% understood. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I don't think it came across the way at all. Yeah, this day and age, I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Wavy, uh, December sixteenth uh, on my YouTube channel. If you are in Oslo, we're doing a launch party with uh, Gutes Recker uh, Studio Art Studio. They're making a um, a print. They just made a they just finished uh, the artwork today. You can get that online too if you want. So December sixteenth on my YouTube channel. If you're not in Norway, as I assume you won't be if you're listening to this. Uh, Magic Production Stomping Grounds already out get that on itunes and you can follow me on instagram and on youtube and actually on tiktok now too i just got on tiktok are you tiktok famous yet it seems like as a skier it's uh tiktok famous is a thing like there's a lot of guys that i know now that are uh, are very tiktok famous and uh i'm never expecting it yeah it's interesting I've, i'm not tiktok famous for sure i like 700 followers uh but uh it's interesting i think like the algorithm works better there like spreading this content that people react to like yeah. i still get i got like one video with hundred thousand views with like 700 followers it's crazy like, it's yeah yeah so it's it, it's gonna be interesting actually because I, I don't know if you remember when instagram came around like there were some people kind of like blew up on instagram and people weren't like giving like saying they weren't like real pros but then after a while you know people like the brands at least realized that was good marketing too and they became yeah. more legitimate. So it'll be interesting to see that happen on TikTok too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's happening. It's kind of happening slower than I expected it to, right? Like there are those influencers that are huge on TikTok, but like it hasn't really happened in skiing. With the exception of like, I gotta, I always give Kyle's main credit because like that dude on TikTok is so famous. It's crazy compared to like what I expected to go and see on there. Yeah, what's, what's his name that you said? Kyle Smain. Kyle Smain, okay, I'll check him out. He's a like pro yeah. fisher. He's a great, I mean, he's a great guy. Um, he's amazing. He's been on the show before too, but like his, all his videos get a ton of views and I'm like, oh, he has like 50,000 TikTok followers. And I don't know, like that just seems Holy bizarre shit, to me yeah. for here. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He has like 3 million views on this one video. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. This guy's killing it. Well, yeah. I get good on you. Oh, I, I <laughs> that. Put um, work. Yeah. Awesome, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Um, yeah. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks for doing this on short notice. And um, see you soon. Have a good winter. That was the interview with Nikolai Shermer. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did. I can't believe the surgery thing. I am still. And how positive he is. It's so insane to me. So 
Um, shout out to Nikolai. He's always a favorite interview of mine. Um, once again, you can listen to our last conversation from last year about this time, which was also really good. He's just such a thoughtful dude, and I think that uh, that comes across really well in a lot of the content that he puts forward. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed that one, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.